Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now, Lonnie, I want my money back from this film. Why is that? Not because I hated it, but because it's a completely different movie to what I thought I was getting. What do you think you're getting? I was promised a baby lawn. I thought this was going to be a collection of home videos of you as a baby. That someone had edited together into a feature film. And that would have been so much better, right? Anything would have been better. Like, not to discredit your home videos of a baby, but yeah, like... Yeah, come off it. <laughs> This is Adult Mon. Nice. And Adult Sine on a podcast called I Only Like You in Movies, but I Sometimes Sine, it is tough liking movies, isn't it? Sometimes we don't like movies individually. And this is one of those weeks. <laughs> Strap in, folks. Oh, God. 189 minutes, which is very much summed up. In the opening scenes, where a big elephant shits all over the camera. Yep. And that's pretty much what happens. Never have I ever been more disappointed in a film. It's Damien Chazelle. It's Damien Chazelle. La La Land. Long-time listeners will know we loved it so much we recorded an emergency podcast about that. (laughs) Whiplash, one of the greatest films that has ever been made. And then he makes this? We're we're his target audience, Lonnie. We couldn't have been more excited. A film by Damien, who's made two masterpieces about Hollywood. Sign Mm -hmm. us up, absolutely get in to see it. What, what, What happened? I don't know. Do you think it's because those two films were so well received, they just gave him a license to do whatever he wanted? Yes, I do. And I feel like he bit off more than he can chew. And his scope was so wide and unfocused. It was just... If this um, film had a like subtitle, like Babylon, mm. colon, whatever, it'd be Babylon, mm. a mess. Truly, that is what how I feel like this movie is. It's a mess. And I said before that it was about, it was like a, the elephant pooping over you, right? There actually are some really amazing individual scenes in this film. There are. But there's just so much crap. weirdness <laughs> and crap around it that you kind of forget every time there was a good scene because then you're just bombarded with more stuff that's terrible. And the ending just leaves such a weird taste oh, in your mouth. Oh, God. Like, We're going to get straight we? into spoilers. Like, yeah. I can't even... Yeah, let's talk about what the film is. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> good question. Looks like we start in the 1920s and we go to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. We've sort of got three storylines, right? 
Margot Robbie is playing a, an up-and-coming actress. It's her sort of rise to stardom. Brad Pitt plays sort of a washed-up actor who's aging out of the business and realises that his best years and best films are behind him. And then Manny starts as a like intern on set and sort of rises the ranks to become like a producer, an executive producer in a mm-hmm. studio. I guess that's sort of the three plot lines that we're following. Yeah, and and like all these films, for some reason, have to be about the the emergence of talkies and how that disrupted the industry. Yeah. And I, I've seen that story so many times now. I know, right? Sorry, but I have. What was the movie that we saw? Was it Mank? I know I wanted to talk it, about Mank about another point in the film, but mm. the one where... Oh, no, isn't it? Singing in the Rain? Singing in the Rain has the same concept. The artists as well. But that did that in a in the style of a There's a sequence where they're, film, they're filming someone on set and she's got a really annoying voice. And That's in Singing in the Rain. Yes. Okay, which this film references. Mm-hmm. Why are you making the same point as the film you reference when the film you reference is impeccable and a masterpiece? What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm so sorry. I'm... Oh, what? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so those those three storylines play out. I feel like none of them really get enough depth. Well, no, them. like as you were saying, there are beautiful moments like that. The sequence that Margot's of Margot's first scene, where she's in the the Western saloon, mm. you know, and she cries, and the editing's really sharp and engaging. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing scene. As is the sequence where Manny's trying to track down the camera, right? Yeah, that whole bit of their filming very much in the wild west they're in this mm. massive field basically this paddock and they've got all these different sets going on and there's madness there's people are drunk and people are dying mm-hmm. and it's all about capturing the light and it's magical that was really great and that, that if that was his own short film i think it it would have been amazing yeah another sequence i liked was when margo's first seen um acting with sound and how mm-hmm. troublesome that is yeah um, that was really intense. It was very whiplash-like. Mm-hmm. Oh, where she had to keep coming in. Things. Sorry, you just reminded me. Where she had to keep redoing her entrance mm. and couldn't hit her mark. Yeah, that was a great yes, sequence. Exactly. That was amazing. Very well done, right? And the the sound guy stuck in the, the yes. booth, whatever. Yeah, yeah. that's all good. Um, another sequence I quite liked towards the end was when Gene Smart, who's like the, the critic, talks to Brad Pitt's character about how, you know, how ephemeral fame can be and how mm-hmm. everyone making movies right now will one day be dead, but there's no point in not doing it because you're going to be dead anyway, that sort of thing. Why does that sequence go well for done. 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like if, you, if you've got like three kind of short scenes in 190 minutes that are good, then well, I'm not quite getting my money's worth, you know? You quoted Roger Ebert the other week who said a good film needs three good scenes. Yeah, that's true, but then you need good stuff around it too, Roger. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't even know how to tackle talking about this film because I feel like it. I just, there's so much going on. I feel like there was no clear through line. Like I didn't know where we were headed at any point and it mm-hmm. jumps around willy-nilly and it's just sort of like here is the maximalist culture of being in Hollywood. And I, I just feel like every point he was trying to make about Hollywood, that it's exploitative, that it's debased, that it's 
wonderful, that it's chaotic, had already been made in other better films, and sometimes by him. By him. Sure, sure. And I referenced Mank earlier. There's that beautiful scene with Amanda Seyfried where they're talking about they go on this walk outside and they talk about Hollywood and the nature of it. And I feel like that scene is better than this whole movie combined at making the point that he was trying to make. Yeah, well, there's one thing this film has going for it, I think, in terms of like a reason to go see it compared to other films that have maybe covered the same ground, is the fact that it's not showing away from the debauchery. It's like mm. showing you the drugs and the the chaos and the orgies and the sex parties and whatever. But I kind of feel like, I feel like sometimes there's on Twitter, it's like all the orgies and whatever are filmed by someone who's never been to one. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I can't call myself personally, but I did kind of feel like, um, like someone's view of what that would be like rather than kind of feeling true to life. And I get it. It's like a imagination, whatever. But to mm. me, it felt like, Let's have this big tracking shot around this raunchy sex party. But, like, everyone in the background was just sort of, like, jostling up and down. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys in the background, be sexy. Yeah, the jostling's good. I just didn't think it was very interesting in that sense, you know? It was very distant. Like, I feel like it kept us in an observational perspective rather than feeling the chaos that was around. Yeah, it, it felt very, you know, kind of like... A bunch of year eleven kids putting on a on a show about how mm. tough stuff it is when they don't really understand it. It doesn't mm. feel lived in. You know mm. what I mean? I get what you mean. Um, yeah, and, and the idea, like you know, Roger said, you need three good scenes to make a good movie or whatever. I feel like Margot was used so well in those scenes where she cries on cue and she's really intense and she turns it on, right? But then there's other scenes where she's like vomiting and screaming. And it just felt so weird and like felt like a really bad SNL sketch or something. Mm. It just really did not play to her strengths at all and perhaps tapped no. into some weaknesses perhaps as, that she might have as an actor. Yeah. I felt really sorry for her that she's there vomiting on, on set. Like, really? That's what we're getting Margot Robbie to do? I know. It was so gross and heavy-handed. I don't know if we're going to end up covering Triangle of Sadness. I'm not going to spoil it here, but there are moments of that in that film as well, which mm. sort of... I don't know, it's a little bit different because, again, it's such a commentary on class. But anyway, the that and the elephant poo, it's like, okay, so you're saying things are gross and Hollywood's gross. You've made your point. Like, mm. stop making it again and again. And that sequence with the snake, why? Why was <laughs> the that there? <laughs> there is such... <laughs> There are such disjointed little sequences in this film, like that, that goes My for half thing an hour. The snake is that there's like one snake there that they're yeah. trying to chase. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, every single person who's there is running around in circles. Yeah. Like, no, you wouldn't. You'd watch. You'd be just standing watching, maybe trying to help, but you wouldn't just like all be running around in a circle. It's so bizarre. And then she has like that a cartoon or something. That connection with the other woman who's there, but then nothing happens with that, you know? Yeah. There's also that whole sequence with Toby Maguire turns up out of nowhere in the final act. It's like, let's introduce a new character. Why not? I mean, this movie's a mess anyway. And then it just turns into a horror movie, like an actual horror movie. 
Well, you know what happened to me? You know, sometimes you guys explore something on Twitter, even if it's like obliquely. Yeah, yeah. And a bit like how we watched Parasite waiting for the whole time for the dog to have a very nice sausage. Yes, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> the thing I had about this film going in was something like the um, the real message of Babylon is never go with Tobey Maguire to a second location. <laughs> so I was trying to work out how that was going to play into the film. That's interesting. Yeah, when he's <laughs> going to turn up and what, what second location is going to be. Yeah. Didn't realise it was going to be a descent into hell. Yeah. Right? With, oh. like, alligators and people being, like, tortured and... People yeah. biting heads off rats. Yeah. That's very graphic again and just... But what, what is the terrible. point? What is the point? Right. Hollywood's bad. I, I'm getting that, Damien. <laughs> like, yeah. how dumb do you think we are that you need to hit us over the head with that so um, obscenely and explicitly? But then, Sine, after all that, we end on a montage about how great cinema is. Okay, we have to talk about the montage. I've written in my notes, WTF was with that montage sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I... Damien. <laughs> Damien. What are we doing here? Yeah, I, I didn't mind the idea behind Lonnie, it, right? Lonnie. I didn't mind the idea, Sine. You're on very thin ice. Be very careful about what you're going to say about this. I just thought it was so weird that they just randomly cut between movies, and they were supposed to be movies, I suppose, that brought the medium forward, right? And so Avatar. Technological. Avatar stood out as a... Really? <laughs> because it was like... CGI when all of these moments were supposed to be really human moments of connection. Mm. Well, I think it's like <laughs> milestones and advancements, that sort of thing. But it really just felt weird because don't you feel like that those edits people do them all the time. They do like here in 2023 in movies and they'll mm-hmm. go through it. You get really inspired. And I've seen ones, you know, it's mm-hmm. like cast together a bunch of like inspiring speeches or, or romantic moments of movies. Hell, even the ones you get from sitcom characters where it's like you know, all the great moments of Annie and Jeff from Community and the little looks and things like that, right? And mm-hmm. Community made fun of that, actually, one episode. But that, that, that editing is really well. This one, it, it really felt like it's, like it's just find, you know, 20 seconds of each movie, put them against each other in Final Cut, and then that'll do. Oh, it was just so awful. The, also, so the recurring big. reference to Singing in the Rain... Which you referenced like four times. Like, yeah, I get stop, it. Stop referencing a better movie, right? Exactly. Stop referencing a better movie. Interestingly, just landed on a quote on Wikipedia from mm. John Mulderig, who says mm. his depiction of Tinseltown's behind the scenes decadence takes needless explicitness to the point of obscenity. He repeatedly references Singing in the Rain, which unfolds in the same place and time, but comparisons with that beloved classic only highlight the ugliness of his own portrayal of human debasement. Absolutely, <laughs> I felt like like that last montage. For me, you have three hours saying how shit is Hollywood, right? It's awful, and then you end on how great are movies, and it's like I don't know if those two things can coexist in the same movie, and if they can, I don't think this is the way to do it. Yeah, like in some ways, to like pick a lane, either say things are bad, and that's your thesis statement, and work towards that. Or... Yeah. Maybe say things are good, but here are the the complicating elements. You can't just say things are good and also things are bad without sort of really yes, getting I into think that that's, depth. Right? I think that's the issue, and that's what I was trying to get at when I said he bit off more mm. than he can chew and his scope was too broad. He just wanted to include everything. 
everything mm. of everything but th- that's not that's not a movie you know like there's this really common thing that you know the movie that you write and the movie that you film and the movie that you edit are all separate films right mm. and this sort of felt like there was no movie in the edit he just included everything mm. he shot you know mm. they they didn't try to craft a narrative in the editing booth and kill some of the darlings and streamline some stuff and here's what yeah. i reckon i reckon combine brad pitt's character with manny right mm. and be have manny be the protagonist and Margot's obviously the love interest who comes in and out but have manny become the washed up star or mm. sure. you know like it just they all just seem so dissonant and disconnected and i just don't understand I don't understand it, but it's just, yeah, interesting again. Sorry, I'm just reading another quote. But mm, for Vanity Fair, mm. Richard Lawson said, there are little little islands in a sea of mannered chaos, you know, but it begins to feel as Babylon stretches out across three hours and eight minutes, Giselle has no clear idea of where all this is going. Absolutely. And I think that's why some of those sequences you mentioned are so good because, yeah. okay, just focus on this one bit and it's really great. Yeah. But way too much doesn't quite fit together so it actually mm. after a while all the good bits are lost in amongst the, the shit as we said so mm-hmm. it um makes them even even worse than they even if they were great to begin with yeah adam Amen, he wants to have its cake and eat it too but also puke it up smear it around and cram it in the <laughs> viewer's face i mean that just that's pretty uh it encapsulates really the film mm. like it's not it's there's no restraint there's no creative restraint there's no um, quiet insight. There's no poignant moments for me. It's all just, here's yeah, this. big, big <laughs> obvious. And I felt that you can even stretch that to the narrative. Like, yeah, Margot Robbie's character is an it girl and goes bad mm-hmm. and she dies young. Like, oh, okay. Brad Pitt's character, washed up guy, he ends his story by killing himself. Yep. Oh, interesting. Cool. This wasn't, just could have been so much... And Manny's character. There's potential here, right? Yeah, well, he's yeah. pushed out of the town, has to flee the country because mm. they think he's to blame. Oh, well, he ha- Mark has to pay a debt, and so he has to pay the debt mm. for that. And so he mm. leaves Hollywood, and then he sort of returns. And I just, ugh, I'm so <laughs> annoyed. I'm so frustrated. I know. We haven't even mentioned the story of um, the, the band leader. Yes. So- that gets very much lost in there and story of um, the Asian-American woman who's the lesbian cabaret singer. Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of like, yeah, let's have some, um, let's broaden out the scope and look at some stories of, of people who were you know, traditionally minorities in Hollywood. I just feel like it didn't do them justice either because it's they're all lost in amongst everything else that's going on, right? Yeah. There's that sequence where... Sydney Palmer, where he's given shoe polish to use as makeup mm. for foundation to be on screen. And that for me was like sort of like we're getting somewhere close to something, but then it's like it pulls back immediately and then never really touches on it again about the mm. the actual problems in Hollywood. It's like, oh, how fabulous is to make. Yeah. Exactly. And it reminded me a bit of the comment that you made a little while ago about how um, you can't make an anti-war movie because everything is a pro-war movie because it all, you know, glorifies war. Mm-hmm. 
for me, there's a bit of that there. There's look at these parties and how awful they are, but everyone's having a great time and drinking and having mm. fun and dancing and smiling and doing drugs. It's like, okay, so you're, you're telling me it's bad, but you're showing me that it's good. So yeah. what are you trying to say? You know? That's it. It's almost like, yeah, that everything's terrible at this place, but the worst thing would be to not be part of it. Yeah. Mm. But even you're, you saying that feels a more nuanced opinion than the one that the movie presents me with. Yeah, I don't think it's, I think that could have been more compelling, that sort of, yeah, that argument. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's a great cast today, but to be honest, I think a lot of them got lost in the wash. Yeah, for, for sure. I didn't realize that Phoebe Tonkin's in this. Outfit. Sorry? Where? Apparently. <laughs> Olivia Wilde is in there for a scene. I did like the use of Samara Weaving as she's the... Oh, my the, God, I didn't even pick that that was her. Yeah, she's the actor that Margot replaces. And that's kind of, of common course. right now there. Yes. Similar looking, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. But then she's a bit... She's playing a sort of one-note stereotype, yeah. Samara, so she's a bit lost in the background, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Spike Jones is in this? Yeah, he's the like, the German <laughs> director in that scene in the in the paddock. What is happening? <laughs> Why doesn't he make movies anymore? He made Why did one... he make her and just said, oh, that's it for me forever? Because he made one perfect film and didn't need to... Maybe maybe that's what Damien should have done. He's like, right, <laughs> I made one perfect film with Whiplash. I get a second chance. I make a second perfect film with La La Land. Time to retire. You know? Just, you look at his filmography on Wikipedia yesterday, mm. Spike Jones. He goes, her, and then the next four movies... Jackass movies. <laughs> Why would he do this to me? Certainly a path, that's for sure. Anyway. I will, let's end on a nice note. Mm. I will say, I do love the way Damien films around music and instruments because of his background. I do like mm-hmm. the way that he incorporates music into his films. Yep. Um, often little trumpet solos, that's fine. I think he used to play trumpet or whatever, so mm-hmm. that's good, but that to me is like a point of difference that he has for other directors that he he really films yeah, like around a, those sequences really well. Signature sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other comparison I would make this film, it mentions like pretty overtly Singing in the Rain. I think overall though you can compare it to Boogie Nights. Do you remember Boogie Nights, Renee? <sighs> Remind me. 
It's the PTA film about the porn industry. Mark Wahlberg, Bette Reynolds, so on and so forth. I think if you watch these two together, you would really find comparisons in perhaps even whole elements have been lifted sort of structurally. Right. Not necessarily a bad way, mm-hmm. but... But it's like it's about a new guy coming into industry. Um, starts off, everyone's loving it, having a great time. But then as it goes on, things get worse and worse and mm. turns out pretty terribly for the characters. But there's also a scene sort of, you know, around the the third act, um, well, the second act ending, third act beginning, um, where they meet up with an established character actor who then it gets pretty crazy, which you could, that's Alfred Molina and Boogie Nights, but you can draw that comparison mm-hmm. pretty well to the scene with Tim Maguire. So I think that has been a huge inspiration here too. But again, Sine, if you've got to reference another movie, make sure it's not a better movie that you can't sort of... And it continually does that you, though. <laughs> well, if your comparison's not going to be favourable, maybe don't include it, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a, a strange one because, as you said, we, we love the previous Damien Chazelle movies and then this. It's shocking. It's interesting. I think if you go back a few pods ago, I think I mentioned something like, why is no one talking about Babylon? Why why are we not hearing it for all these awards and stuff? Yeah, like, what's and, happening? Uh, the, we didn't. We got weird trailers over here in Australia. It was just like weird trailers the of, screen. Yeah, pictures still of photos. And I was like, mm. what is going on? This is going to be amazing. It's Damien Chazelle. And then I saw it and I was like, ah, okay, this is so why. <laughs> they had no idea how to advertise it because what would yes. you do? Yes. How yeah. do you advertise something like this? Mm. Oh, God, it is truly awful. I I can only hope that Damien has a long and storied career and that this will be a blip that people omit from conversation when talking <laughs> about his filmography. Sure. That's all I can hope. Is that the next one will be good, and this will just be the the one we don't mention. <laughs> um, I mean, having said everything you said, here we go. You're going to walk everything back. I'm not going to walk everything back, but if I was a director, yeah, and I was given a chance to have budget, unlimited budget, basically, mm-hmm. and make just a crazy movie that you know no one's going to say no to you about anything, yeah. Of course you take the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. It's a shame it didn't work out this time, but and I hope it doesn't mean that he doesn't get further opportunities in the future. But, yeah. Oh, I thought you were leading He's... into what you would have done if, if no, Hollywood no, said I'm just, to I'm, you. I'm, I'm, no, I'm like, I can't blame him for taking a massive swing when he was given the opportunity to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just a shame that it, the way it turned out is what we got. It kind of feels like that confidence got to his head a bit, though. Mm. I don't have any way of knowing that. But I just feel like there's such restraint in Whiplash and La La Land. And there's none of that here. I don't know. Yeah, it, really, it does make you wonder, right? Like, the filmmakers who make films in really trying circumstances mm. and then are given, because they are successful, they get less and less roadblocks and objections mm-hmm. as they go on. And the films get worse and worse. You're like, yeah. Maybe the magic is when you're you are being um, given all these roadblocks. Maybe that's where it happens. Star Wars, for example. Yeah. First film was amazing, but he had a battle for everything. Mm -hmm. Whiplash was made in like 20 days, right? And they had a little budget, and it's perfect. I think also maybe like 
Well, two things. The thing about Whiplash and La La Land is that they're centering on relationships that are very, that rely on two or four, but two incredible actors to to carry it. And here there was no connection. I didn't feel a connection between any of the characters. Like I knew Manny was sort of infatuated with Margot, but that's as far as I got there. So maybe that's a difference as well. And I know personally I'm very drawn to um, movies about relationships, be that friendships or mental relationships Mm -hmm. or romantic relationships. So I don't think I was poised to like that part of this. But also like thinking about Avatar that we covered Avatar 2 that we covered a few weeks ago, we had the same thing where it's like James Cameron has earned the right to do absolutely whatever he wants to anything. And are you going to be the one person in the writer's room to be like, this is really dumb, James Cameron, <laughs> multi-million dollar famed mm-hmm. Academy Award winning director? Like, you're not, are you? You're not going to say no to that. So, yeah, I think there's something to that, that maybe the, the more freedom you have, the less good the film is because... Well, look. Look at look at James Cameron today. Mm. The first Terminator, amazing, but it was low budget, and yeah. they they really had to fight for everything. As those that series went on and on, and they were trying to chase the magic of the first movie. And the second one is great too, and that yeah. somewhat goes against my argument, given that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like the avatars are quite bloated and are more tech demos of the technology than they yeah. are amazing stories like of the, like of the first Terminator. I think constraints are necessary for creative output. I mm. think that they allow you to focus on something, be that budgetary constraints or writing constraints, like, mm. you know, go write a scene that's set in one room, you know, and, and it just makes you think about things in a different way. And I just wish that someone had sort of yeah. moulded and shaped this a little bit more. Like we talk a lot about studio interference, how awful it is. Maybe this is a is a comparative case for why it might be good sometimes to have someone oh. saying you can't have X Y Z, you know. Totally, there are plenty of examples when the the producers or the executives getting involved ruins a movie. Yeah. But you wonder how many times we hear, we don't hear the stories about how they saved a movie or mm-hmm. how it's the conflict between the people mm-hmm. looking after the the money or thinking about audience versus people who are just trying to create their vision and it's the actually the, the the creative juices that emerge from those that conflict is is where the magic is yeah for sure i was going to say when you mentioned before about these films closely about relationships mm. i was thinking like like pta has obviously is amazing paul thomas anderson yeah at writing those ensemble films like boogie mm-hmm. nights and magnolia yeah and so i'm like you know maybe you have to earn the right to craft your big immersive ensemble cast led movie but at the same time his most recent movies have been centered around those strong interpersonal relationships like the master like licorice pizza like um phantom thread Mm. so maybe my point there is that paul thomas anderson is just a good filmmaker (laughs) i think maybe his point of difference is that he can write for ensembles really well and maybe damien's point of difference is that he writes for duos really well and so expanding that Maybe he lost that a bit, you know. Yeah, and, and Paul Thomas Anderson can do both, but he has been making movies for like thirty years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's we, had can't, that. we can't forget that Damien's quite new to the industry. Like mm. he he's not been around a long time, and he has some really interesting things to say about it. I'm sure coming mm. into the industry after previously having nothing to do with it, but I think he's already made those two movies. I think he's made two perfect movies, and 
And I haven't seen First Man, but you've seen that, haven't you? And it was pretty good. It was fine. Yeah, but it didn't blow you away. Well, they did a classic thing where they did your favourite thing, <laughs> where they changed details and the real life story yeah, to make right. it more dramatic. So I don't think you would have liked it. <laughs> okay. I'll go around it one day. Mm. Yeah, and maybe it's... um. Maybe we've had enough movies about Hollywood, and particularly this this time with Hollywood. Yeah. And maybe all those ideas that that um, Damien Giselle has about Hollywood and mm. the contradictions, and like ultimately it's good, but there's so much bad that goes into the good. Maybe that would be better channeled into a story set in a different world, and maybe that's why Whiplash was so good because it wasn't about filmmaking. But you could draw the comparisons. Yeah. yeah. We liked the menu because it was about fine dining, but you could draw the metaphors elsewhere. Maybe we mm. all got caught up in the filmmaking aspect of this because it's set in Hollywood and whatnot, and it got a bit too, um, yeah, wanky. We're into into each other, making a movie about Hollywood again. Yeah. Maybe we need to expand our horizons. You know. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Oh well, huge bummer. What can you do? What are you going to give it one? It's really hard to rate, isn't it? Maybe one and a half stars. Hmm. Oh, I was just thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking two stars, but I'm like, is two stars my zero stars and five stars are that, <laughs> like my three stars? <laughs> I've got a graded curve, you know? If only we had a system that depicted what <laughs> what a good movie and a bad movie was, Lonnie, and if we adhere to that system. Um, listen... I'm going to give it three quarters of a star. Wow. I know. Do you want my breakdown? Of course. Quarter for the Margot scene. Yep. Quarter for the scene with the agent about how washed up Hollywood was. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sorry, the Margot scene. Well, maybe that gets half a star. The crying one and the one where they come in again. Yeah. Isn't that bad, though? That three scenes... Mm. I can only give half a quarter of a star to like, uh, yeah. yeah, this is just shocking. Really shocking. Just, just quietly. Mm. Between you and me, Sonny. Between you and me. Yeah. I'll turn the podcast <laughs> off. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like another thing maybe that was a bit off for me mm. was the fact that Margot Robbie is playing this newbie to the industry. Yeah. It's like we, but you're not though. We, you've been around for a while now. Yeah. You're not playing the new person anymore. Do you think it would have been more compelling like Manny to have sort of an unknown cast. Yeah, potentially. Mm. And he was great, Diego Calva. I, he was fantastic. I really believed him. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I wish he was in a better movie. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Maybe also that yeah. would have highlighted Brad Pitt more if Margot was also yeah. unknown because he's supposed to be this, you know, titan of the industry. He's been around very long, obviously yeah, very metatextual there. His star, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, fair point. Anyway. Yeah, we can go back to listen to our Emergency La La Land podcast. <laughs> we can. Did we ever do, do one on Whiplash? Take? I don't think we did because that was pre-pod. Pre-pod. We should definitely... I've actually watched it fairly recently, saying like in the last year or whatever. It holds mm. up. It 100% yeah. holds up. Oh, my God, it is incredible. It was in my top 10 list and I miss you, man. So Yes. I'll see if I can link Although, that pod. But now I need to put licorice pizza in there somewhere. I know so. you forgot about it. Well, this is why making lists of favorite movies is impossible. What am I going to cut? Well, what were your options? I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> we'll workshop it. We'll be fine. We'll workshop it. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. The big catalog. 
can go back into Sine. There's all the Twitters. Um, Twitter still exists potentially by the time this goes out. <laughs> Do you find it's potentially bad recently? It just doesn't work for me sometimes. Oh, it doesn't work at all. Videos won't load for me. <laughs> I can never refresh my feed. I don't know. It's funny, but it's also sad. <laughs> I think it's mostly sad. <laughs> but a little bit okay. funny. Mm. Well, yeah. All right, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. And then, oh, so sorry, that's my alarm to take my medication that is new that I need to remind myself to take. <laughs> sorry. You don't care about the pod, do you? I, oh, I have to buy everyone sort of a can of beer, isn't that how that works? I think so. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.